Hello and welcome to BWB Extra, where we get to know serial entrepreneur and investor Giles Brook a little better. We hear how Giles got into the food and beverage industry, what life was like building innocent drinks, his ethics on work, life balance, and how investors should treat founders, and what he's most excited about for his current portfolio of projects. Okay, so let's wind the clock back to young Giles, fresh-faced. How did you end up doing what you're doing? Yeah, so I've, I've, I'm literally, I'm a bit of a consumer good lifer. So I, I did food marketing at Newcastle Uni. Geordie land. Food marketing does not sound it like was a about proper six, degree. It was, well, I'm about to say to you, about, it's about six, or eight, six to eight hours a week. Most of my friends thought it was basically colouring in, stroke, scratch and sniff a page to see what, you know, and, and tell what the smell was, that sort of thing. Uh-huh. So yeah, so I did that. Um, and then essentially I've kind of, I've always wanted to go into food and drink. I started off with United Biscuits, went to Coca-Cola, then went to Innocent, really enjoyed Innocent. Some great guys there. Had a really, lot of fun on the board there. Coke came in did the deal. The boys wanted me to stay on, but I just harbored ambitions to do my own thing. So kind of met Andrew and Haley, and obviously launched Bear with them. And then obviously also met Verlin Veston, the Vita Coco guys, and we did the coconut water. And then since then, you know, kind of developed a portfolio. And, you know, it's just lucky because I'm doing exactly what I always loved and I love doing. Um, not everything's in food and drink now. I've got, you know, I've got a couple of really exciting household sustainable brands. So Neat, which is an eco-cleaning brand, which is taking... Oh, oh yes. Yeah. We are... Your client. I know. Yes. There we go. And then also, you know, the Cheeky Panda as well. So, you know, there's some really exciting, you know, brands in there. And it's just about... It's doing stuff I enjoy with, but as I said to you, it's about doing. It's as much about the people as well as the brand or the category. Are your parents into food and drink? Where's this no, food my and dad. Drink well, that, that's when I was lucky actually, because my my father was in textiles, but I was brought up in a way which was, you know, holidays not holidays. You work in every holiday and stuff like that. So I always used to work within the business. So actually, I think I got some business acumen pretty oh, early wow. on. So during the holidays, yeah, you yeah, I'd to work. work and in textiles, he he was manufacturing textiles. Yeah, he was a, he was an agent or manufacturer. So basically, he would provide the wool or the yarn or whatever it was to the knitters who would knit it up for garments for the different. You know, back then it was all people like Topshop and stuff like that. But obviously, later it became like Asda with George and stuff like that. And he did that. But again, it was a very much a it was a very tough um, industry because, like most things, guess what? It was a lot cheaper to produce abroad. So of course, the whole textile industry. You know, unfortunately, became a, a massive importer rather than a um, self-sufficient UK business. But that that was great. I, I really en- en- enjoyed doing that. But it was it was tough, really tough doing that. Okay, that that explains a lot. There, that gives you the grit of sort of you know knowing what run a business. In fact, growing up in a family business. Yeah, and basically. I remember, I remember, you know, I can I can say this. Dad, bless him, used to pick up bad debts the whole time because it was such a turbulent industry and there was so little margin in it. And of course, at the mercy of the big guys back then, we'd pick up bad debts the whole time. I remember, you know, Dad was based in Leicester and we'd be jumping in the van and we'd have to break into factories to go and try and get our, go and get the, the stuff back to try and recover as much money as we could because that's what it had to be because if you didn't, because of course what was happening back then as well was that, and I think it still happens today, is that the day before the business went bust, everybody would buy the assets back off the business, i.e. like the knitting machines for like yeah, a yeah. pound, clear all the debts and start up on the same site the next day and, and of course we had an issue with that and I didn't, and my dad had an issue with that so we'd go in there and get back what was rightly ours. The innocent thing is interesting because so many, like it seemed to be a place that attracted kind of entrepreneurial people. Honestly, you were surrounded by people that make you look average every day. I was, I, I, I bluffed my way in there. I got in there somehow because I'm, I'm not very academic at all. I'm 
fairly commercial and bright, so I managed to get my way, but I've never been in a building with more academic and brighter people in my life. I mean, I couldn't, I mean, board meetings, I mean, you remember people like Jamie Mitchell, yeah. I probably understood two and five words. So I was there with a thesaurus, like, like <laughs> Jamie, trying to Jamie Mitchell's, uh, is he... So Jamie, Jamie was a, he was a, he was basically the MD for a while. He's great, great guy. I sat on the board with him at Innocent. He went on and did Tom Dixon and then also, I think he's chairman for the Gaucho grill guys at the moment. Okay. He's a lovely guy. But it, was just, a, it was a real Andy Warhol factory of yeah, sort of... Yeah, and he was Harvard, you know, he lectured at London Business School. I was like, I'd like, I'd be like, a, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. But you could sort of tell people that spun out of Innocent and did yeah. their own thing because the kind of ethos and the packaging yeah. and all that stuff I, I always was laughed and it said, do pop into Sears because it's nearby me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> And I was like, did people, because I was like, yeah, fucking crazy suggestion. In, they did, honestly. Did we had loads so of people. massive fridge by the front door with, with bags next to it where you could just help yourself. Ask anybody about Barry. Barry was one of Innocent's greatest fans and he would regularly pop in the office, Barry would. Really? And he had the whole tattoo and, that tattoo and everything. Wow, an innocent tattoo. Yeah, it's quite yeah. a cool word, actually. Yeah, quite to have dude, to, yeah. To, 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 yeah, yeah. Innocent. Oh, have you got another one that says guilty? Yeah, guilty yeah. <laughs> Everybody wanted Innocent to launch an alcohol called Guilty, right? <sighs> an alcohol smoothie. That would be quite a good yeah. idea. But it was one of those things where everybody wanted to go down and get things signed because you'd yeah. come back with bags of the stuff. Yeah. yeah. Particularly when you, they were doing the veg pots and oh, stuff, yeah. you could come back with food for a week. So, do you have a long term girl? I'm probably living it now, right? I'm I'm lucky, and I, I mentioned to Pip before we started, is that I kind of work two and a half, three days a week. Um, and fucking mother! Sorry, that's great. I know. Well done, you. I I do. You know, I go and watch my kids play sport at school every week. I do a lot of exercise. Cause I do. I got myself addicted to this thing, endurance racing, which is basically swim, bike, run stuff. So I'm training a lot. So for example, the amount of people I piss you off. You do a decathlon always. It's like it? a triathlon stuff. Triathlon. Yeah. So the amount of people I piss off because they'll be like, right, we're going to put the, uh, next year we're going to put the board meeting at Wednesday in the morning, week two. No, why not? I go out with the guys on the bike every Wednesday. That's not, I don't have any board meetings on Wednesday. Come on, just one week. No. You have to make those but rules. But you know what? And is it, I know this is going to sound a bit, a bit contrived stroke. You know, you know, I, get, I gave up my life for about 10, 15 years mm. when getting, you know, bear and vat cocoa off, off the table and everything like that. And, you know, Penny and I joke, so Penny is my wife and joke, because like, I occasionally I get the itch to start do another one. And Penny looks at me and goes, no, you cannot do another one because I won't be around if you do. Because it literally, mm. six and a half days a week, 18 hour days. And I know, bless them, some people have to work that every day, but I've kind of done that. And, I'm just, again, it's a cliche, but that, you know, we've all got friends, you know, we've also got friends, unfortunately, are no longer around, all that sort of stuff. And I just, you know, I'm just a massive believer in kind of, you know, the whole kind of live to work versus work to live, etc. It's amazing that as a certified workaholic, though, that you've managed to flip to, I'm just going to yeah, do Yeah, but he's not like, doing anything light. He's not having Chris with his mates, you know, chuffing weed on a Wednesday. I don't sit he's still. He's getting on a bike trying to ride to fucking... <laughs> wow, you know, he's not like, oh, Now we know what he wants to do. Yeah, that's exactly what he wants to do. I'll get fat in my underpants. No, I never, you know? I, never, I never stand still, but it's just, I don't know, you just just do stuff you enjoy, right? That's the, I'm lucky I can do what I, what I want to and enjoy what I do. But it, but it also tells what drives me, because if it was about chasing the coin and trying to do deal after deal, I'd be working six and a half days a week and just going after it and after it. And I'm not about that. It's all, I just I just do what I do and enjoy it, but I want the right lifestyle alongside it. You had a bit of luck. You got it. I, I think I think Innocent was the key moment, it sounds like. That, you know, that, you that, that of, gave me the platform, right? Okay, to do yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah, you, you'd I'm, got the experience with Coke. You'd got a couple of things on the I mean, CV and some knowledge. was pretty good choice as well. That I was think. great, hey? I mean, that, yeah. that was hard work and took us a long way to get that, get that going, but that, that, that was great. And, 
you know, Andrew, Andrew and Haley as the founders, and Haley as, 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 you know, she was kind of the real the brand person. She did a phenomenal job with that. Is Bear the, um, I'm a mother, I was trying to buy sweets for my daughter, and there were no healthy sweets? Is that the story of Bear? I haven't looked it up. Uh, just, it, it so often is. The Bear, it? actually, the, the Bear sort of story is really about Haley. Haley is literally yeah. all about putting goodness in her body, and she's always had a big issue with the fact that, you know, you know, trying to get, you know, kids to eat healthily, importantly, eat fruit and veg was very difficult, and actually, provide it in a format that works well, but importantly, you provide it in a format where it's not covered in sulfur dioxide or got concentrates or basically made like confectionery, and that's why bear was softly baked, just 100% pure fruit. Must sound like I still work for them, doesn't no, it? No, no, also, no. Also, though, good, it, a really good thing I learned from that is if you want a completion meeting to go well, have a newborn baby at the completion meeting because all the, like, investors... You know, all the purchasers were just like, oh, I'll hold the baby. But but I've had a meeting. It was in this room when it was before this place was refer of my dad and, I, and they had a baby. And then they said, do you mind if we breastfeed? And me and my dad were like, yeah, sure. And then we had to sit in there <laughs> and we just sat there going, then what happened? It was the most <laughs> awkward situation in the world ever. Brilliant. Yeah. What's the most misunderstood thing about what you do? I think the most misunderstood thing is people think everything's going really well and it's all rosy and it's nice and easy and whatever it isn't it is still hard yards it's all pretty tough so the biggest challenge for me actually what i do is actually rather than the financial side or the business pressure it's probably the it's the people side that's probably the most stressful bit and i probably spend two three hours a week actually not speaking to founders of the business i'm involved with and speaking to other founders who basically are in a real dilemma i.e the business is going south or else they've got investors who are being absolute assholes to them. Um, they'll, you know, they'll ring me up in flood of tears and stuff like that. And that's probably the most stressful thing for me, which is, you know, because I, I just a big believer that you, you, you know, there's a way to deal with people and look after people, and you know, even in tough times. And you know, one of my businesses recently also had a, you know, had a challenging period, and then some of the investors, you know, then had some clauses in a contract, which means that they could then convert stuff that meant that the founder was left with very little. And I had a real issue with that. And I yeah. said, you shouldn't be exercising that clause and like, tough luck, it's happening. And I don't know, I just, it, that's the bit that's... that's well, the you're, bit. you're getting back to what I, it's not business, there's ethics no, involved no. here. There's like, like, you I'd, should look at it. I'd, I'd, I'd rather walk away financially than have to deal with shit like that. It's a, this, is my, this is probably the most difficult thing for me because I think it's also, because again, when I'm talking about certain founders who are about to set up businesses, I also say to them, look, just make sure, particularly on sole founders, Make sure you know what you're signing up to. Because yeah. this is all encompassing. This is all consuming. You know, well, when you're you when sure? you're a sole founder. Yeah, you? I think so. I think there's a couple of people I think have been successful founders, but there's some people who haven't been successful founders, but should have been. But they went into it the wrong way. They went in alone, and they should have gone in. Like, so for example, we talked to Innocent earlier. Adam, Richard, and John, three very that bright guys, amazingly well. very complementary skill sets, right? John, strategic ops, rich, brand, hand-waving, brilliant, Adam, very commercial. They worked to complement each other brilliantly. And also, they shared the burden across three shoulders because everybody thought Innocent was all, literally, that was just like linear growth, sold it to Coke. Oh my God, it wasn't. You know, when massive commodity prices, i.e. fruit costs went up and prices went up and we had the whole Janet Street Porter with, you know, fruit and smoothie sugar, that was in a shaky position, that business then. Do you not remember the bottling thing? Yeah, well, exactly. This is what I mean. And people don't, but you know, if you've got other founders alongside you, it's easy to share that. I don't know how people do it on their own. And I, as you say, I don't one think one person can have all the skills. Yeah, yeah, and some yeah. of my clients who I could think of a few in my head, I say to them, you need to find your your, your, your other, your yin and yang, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like dating. It's well, like, well, how do I find them? But that, that's also, Andy, that's, that's what also I talk about, you know, let's, you know, and let me give you a great example of someone like 
you know, Pip, so Pippa Murray, who's Pippa Pip and Nut, which is probably one of the top five most talked about brands in food and drink, Pippa Nut, which is the nut butter spread. Pip's the most beautiful person in the world, right? I, I can't talk highly enough about her and she's done an incredible job. She, if anybody wants to be the benchmark for B Corp business, Pip and Nut is definitely, you know, that business. Um, but we got to a situation where she was definitely just throwing absolutely everything into the business. And the other thing I also say to, to the founders, I don't care how busy you are. A lot of investors want, want their, you know, want, want the founders to sweat and sweat. I'm like, no, no, it's about balance. Pip used to do loads of marathon running. That's one of the reasons she got into it. And she stopped it all because the business is becoming all consuming. I'm saying, right, stop. You need to now carve out times in the week. Go away, get back to doing your running. Yeah. Because you need escapism. Because if you're yeah, escapism, yeah. and that's why you laugh about, I can go out on the bike for four hours, right? And I'll be out on the bike for four hours. Drives people mad because I get back and I'll send about 20 emails because that's my thinking time. Yeah, right? yeah. And it clears the air. And I think that's the big thing, which is, um, you know, getting a balance and more making sure that founders have got an escapism or got a, you know, a pursuit outside of outside of work, you know, take your frigging holidays. Because, you know, it's like virtually all of my businesses, none of them have contracted hours or minimum work hours or else a number of holidays. If you want to take 50 days holiday a year and do a great job, go for your life. And that's, you know, for me, that's, that's what's important, you know. And just to finish on Pip, you know, what I'm loving about Pip at the moment is Pip's just had her first baby. Um, beautiful little girl. And I'm so pleased because actually she's taking some time out and, you know, she's working herself back in because you don't get that time back, right? And, you know, it's, it's really important. And I know she'll come back into the business fresher and, and deliver a lot more value. And I think that's just the big thing for me for anybody setting up a business founders, founder today. Just make sure you need an escapism. You need to have some sort of hobby outside of it because otherwise it will just be all-consuming. On the more than one founder thing, you know, it can go horribly wrong, right? We'll, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't matter whether it's two of you or three of you or whatever. Like, two of you, you fall out, it's complete disaster because the whole business is going to go. Three of you is normally two of you gang up on the other one. It's also miserable. Like, it happens. Yeah, it is tough. You're but right, I, yeah. But I do think that having a co-founder kind of rubs the crazy off, you know, because you can end up going down a massive rabbit hole. What do you do about climate change then with all of these businesses? What are you asking them to do? Uh, so I'm, I'm going to flip it around the other way, which is I think we are so far behind in terms of putting in the right measures to make sure that the planet is around for as long as it should be in the state that it needs to be. I think we are so far behind. It is frightening. And, and whilst I do think that businesses have a responsibility to kind of be self initiators of putting in more stringent measures i believe that policy has to come in and government policy has to come in with much more stringent targets much earlier and there were massive sanctions and they're not met i hate to say it but you and i both know that there's probably 10 or 20 or maybe 30 com companies globally that will probably have 60 percent of the impact yeah. worldwide you've got to go after those guys and you've got to be really clear to them. They're also the only ones who can afford it. Yeah, and it may mean P&Ls are horrible, but without being rude, these guys have got balance sheets that have just got, you know, telephone numbers sitting on them. And yeah, P&Ls and share prices might be hit for a while, but if these adjustments aren't made, the ramifications are much bigger. Yeah, I mean, they brought in the plastic packaging tax, which I vaguely understand. And it's, you know, I think, I'm trying to remember if it's 100 million tons a year or something, you know. Well, that's the other thing as well. Trying to get any any sort of, you know, what is, how do you measure it? Yeah, yeah, CO2, it's all this sort of thing. It's just madness. And they're trying to obviously trying to find a way to have a unified system that goes on to labeling, particularly on food and drink labeling. And like, it'll be 10 years till we sort that out. I just kind of, you kind of want to rewind the whole, everything's got to be in a plastic package. You know, it's yeah. gone now, but I remember getting very depressed. And I'm sure I've complained about it on this podcast, going into MS and finding an orange. 
peeled still, in a plastic box. No, fuck you. Because I was yeah. thinking like, what are they saying in the factories when they arrive for their first day? And they're like, yeah. right, when you unpeel this orange and put it in that box, and you're like... Or you get the four what? apples in a tray with the plastic over the top. This, so this, let me give my best example now. So, um, Bio and Me, which is a gut health brand that I'm involved with, which is John and Megan, the founders of that. So it's based gut health cereals and yogurts. Everybody says to me, what an incredible brand, amazing pops on the shelf. Why are you in such small boxes? Because you, you know, you, you, you're impacting your shelf presence. And I'm like, because open the box and actually it's the right size box for the amount of products mm. in there. Everybody else is doing what a marketeer does, which is let's have 40, 50% air, make it look bigger so the consumer thinks they're getting more and stuff like that. But everybody just keeps saying to me, you're mad, you're, just, you're stitching yourself up. I said, I'm not mad because, you know, the bigger issue is why aren't all those other brands saying, right, you know, if I was a supermarket today, I'd be going across every product and say, right, we looked at your product. And they'll all have arguments about oh, of, of the way that our machines fill, we need to have a certain amount of gap and all that sort of stuff. But I'd be saying, right, you've got 40% air. By this time next year, that product needs to be less than half 10% air. And yeah. you, can, you could take out 30, 40% of packaging usage mm. straight away there. And it just drives you mad, but that's the world we live in. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Business Without Bullshit is brought to you by Ori Clark. Straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. You can find us at oriclark.com. What are you most excited about for your portfolio? Is there something coming up? Within the portfolio at the moment, I definitely, I've just mentioned it a second ago, BioMe is doing really well. I've also got another cereal brand involvement called Surreal. So if it's Surreal, so this is this kind of um, high protein, zero sugar, very, very low carbs play, like a keto type thing. If you want to see the example of what I think is the best marketed product and the best marketing in the industry at the moment. Just follow Surreal on LinkedIn and Instagram. Absolutely brilliant. Their marketing is so refreshing. Not taking themselves seriously, completely taking the mickey out of the, the big cereal guys and stuff like that and just getting so much traction. Does it transcend that in America? I mean, we've got so much humour in this country. Yeah, they do. There's a few brands doing it. Not, not as much, sorry. Those products are doing very well. So for example, in the, in the US, there's a brand called Magic Spoon, which is similar to Surreal and that's doing well. They're humans. They're humans a bit different, though. They're doing. They're not doing it. The sort of, we, ours is typical tongue and cheek. That British. I mean, the thing I about those that. kind of keto brands it. and things like that is they're so effing earnest. Yeah, yeah. About stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is that little bit clique stroke, you know, uh, CrossFit type thing. Well, the earnest brings that thing. It's like, why does you know what's the problem with you know the vegan community and stuff? You make other people feel bad. You know, it's very patronising. That's what's real. Trying to break that down. It's just trying to be accessible to everybody and you know have a bit of fun with it, not take itself too seriously. But there's, I mean, there's other things that excite. I mean, like what's really interesting is I've got a, I've got a really nice um, healthy soft drinks brand called Dolstons, which is pure. It's, it's just sparkling water and then and real fruits like that's been around for about six, seven years, that's absolutely flying again now because two main reasons, kind of healthy, right, so health, healthy fruit carbonates is actually the fastest growing section in the whole of soft drinks. But also what's happening is, and this is why I, I laugh to talk about a little about bullshit busters, is that everybody's talking about this kind of, everybody moving away from alcohol and everybody's saying, well, it's because they're all trading into like non-alcoholic beers, non-alcoholic wines and stuff like that and things like seed lip and stuff like that, which by the way, totally get and they're all going to fly. But actually what's happening is, you know, a lot of people are actually switching into things like traditional soft drinks again because they'd rather rather than have like a fake beer, 
they actually want something that tastes like a, you know, like one of the Dolsons. So actually, that's why Dolsons having a big recent, you right. know, big research. No, I again. find if I, I'm trying to not drink at the moment just for a week or two, and it, yeah, well, oh my, my God, I what is happening to, to you? No I've got swearing, a stomach, stomach problem, no drinking. And, oh, no, I know, I know, I know. Well, you may have noticed. You just I didn't be quite a totally make, different I, person. I just, uh, yeah, he's I just, a quick fix, isn't he? He'll find like, yeah. that's it. I need that one. That's gut Coca-Cola health. Coca-Cola works. Energize. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, in my mind, when I'm like, you, sometimes I'm in a thing, and you've ordered the beer or the wine, and your friend gets the Coca-Cola, and I. Just stare at it and think, I just want the Coke. Uh, so, Giles, what do you think your biggest fuck-up in business is? Biggest fuck-up or mistake that I've made and also see a number of businesses commonly make is building a battalion of people either when it's not needed or else before the revenue comes through. And then the revenue doesn't come through and they've got this massive overhead around their neck and they can't make any money and then it becomes a real problem. So that's, I, to be honest with you, I did that at, Vi- I did that at Via Coco. I put way too many people in too early. We now have, you know, so not we, they now have a business today in, in, in Europe, which is a very successful business. It's got half the people that I had in it when I was, when I was doing it. And it's three times more productive. And just, just surround yourself, have less people, but have amazing people. It's a very difficult equation, isn't it? Because hiring people takes time, but you've basically always got to run hot. I mean, we get this in, the, in our business that you, people are most efficient and actually happiest if they're busy but you don't want them breaking down at their desk yeah. kind of stuff you want to say go home you know if you can't get it done and sort of but get that also people. comes down to it's a bit more difficult in your area because you're you know you've got clients and you've got certain things you do but if you take my area one of the one of the one of the biggest achilles heel of the business is that in consumer in consumer goods is that particularly in marketing they'll do a load of marketing activity and then they'll try and do more and it's just layer upon layer upon layer and where the leadership need team need to step up is to say well look it's as much about what you stop doing as what you continue and start doing. And mm. there's just people just assume, and that's what we did at Vitacoco. We took out probably 40% of meetings and 40% of marketing activity. And people like, um, you know, the brand's going to really suffer. Didn't suffer. It actually did better because people were focused on the stuff that actually worked and did well. Time that, management. Yeah, but you, but, you, but to be fair, that's where you've got to have a leadership team who can look at it and help guide the rest of the team to try and make those difficult decisions and say it's okay not to do that sort of stuff anymore. Yeah. Plus, if it happen, I'm sure it happens in your. You know, I'm so busy that I don't know how good my time management is. I sometimes think not so because I get a bit ruled by my email box. But the truth is, you, when you're at that level of busy, I have to do what is really important, and it is incredible how much I can do when I'm focused. I'm not trying to big myself up, but how long I can take. But how do you work? Because I know, for example, I purposely don't do a lot of stuff because I know the only way for me to be successful is to let a lot of people down every day because if I focus on the few things that are important important to the business or the founder or me, that's all I need to worry about. And I know there's be another 20 things that people will be like, really effed off that Giles hasn't done that, whatever. But I know that that isn't... And then Tricky with clients. I can only be successful. I know it is. And that's what I was going to say. With a client, you guys, it's difficult. But it's also that whole, if you want something done, ask a busy person. Yeah. And it is true that, <laughs> like, when you've got loads of shit to do, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you just kind of have to get through You're it. Quick. So you do stuff. No, no, no. I mean, I've really... You I've really lots of lawyers. You're fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, we were talking yesterday about like being ruled by our inbox. Like when an email comes in, the first thing I do is reply to it, even if it's just to say, I'll take a look tomorrow. Yeah. And then flag but that's it. That's our job. That's my biggest bugbear. Even if you're frigging busy, just say, look, I'm yeah, really yeah. busy. I'll come back to you, whatever. Rather 100%. than leave it sat there for God knows how long. And somebody said, did you get this? What's going on? Well, I, we have to train everyone here, but I didn't know the answer. But I do so have no. clients who will, they'll send me an email and literally I'll, I'll look at it and think, 
just finish this off and reply to it and I'll get a text saying, I just sent you an email yeah. and haven't come back to me. You said the right thing. The, it depends on the business. I think if, it, if with professionals, it is incredibly important if you're paying us £300 an hour that we fucking yeah. respond. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, just yeah. exactly, I have seen it. I am aware of Got it. Got it, I'll come back. I yeah. will come back to yeah, you, yeah. you know. And then you don't care if it takes a week because you're like, they're on it. Uh, what's the worst advice you've ever been given? Not necessarily, but I'm going to twist this a little bit. Not exactly advice, but it was. I remember I was at Coke and I was, I've always wanted to go to that entrepreneurial sort of business. And I'll never forget, um, was he my boss? He might, he was either my boss or he, was my, he had been recently my boss. And I told him, I said, look, I'm thinking about going to Innocent like that. And he just turned around to me and says, um, are you sure? I said, why? He says, yeah, because just to be really clear, you only get one chance to work for a business like Coca-Cola, you realise that. And I just sat there and I went, I now know why this is the best decision I've ever made. Yeah. yeah. Like, how arrogant. And like, actually, the way, the way that in my mind I was working was saying, look, I think I'm acceptable and good enough that the worst scenario here for me is if I jump ship, I can get back into a corporate role of a similar level again. So that's my fallback Pepsi. position. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to Pepsi, exactly, yeah. So, and that was, a, you know, that was, a, that was the thing that's always stuck with me that somebody said that to me. And I just thought, Wow. What was Coke like to work for? Is it a good place? Great business. Amazing, amazing people, by the way. I had such a laugh there. I think it's been a bit curtailed these days. So obviously, entertainment budgets and all stuff like that, I think it'd be dried up a bit. But just a great set of people. Amazing. People massively passionate about it. And, uh, you know, some of the assets you got to work on, you know, you can imagine every every year you used to have like an Olympic cycle or the, you know, the World Cup football. And of course, oh Coke would be course. a major sponsor. And it was just something amazing. Five billion servings a day madness of all their yeah, products it's it's a great business full of great people as well when i qualified at the firm i used to be at after six months i hated i was in licensing and gaming and i hated it and i got another job and the managing partner i got a job out of london and the managing partner said to me you go out of london you'll never come back to london that's it yeah. and you know six years later whatever they rehired me. I was working in Slough. <laughs> no, I was working in Reading. Can I, I got to say one quick story. That, that same person who was at Coke, bless him. This is what I meant. I was in a customer meeting and this customer literally was like having a real moment saying, right, I know that you're selling this product to this supermarket a lot more cheaply. You're not giving me a good enough price. And this was a lot smaller retailer. This, the same bloke came out with this answer to this. So still an important customer. No disrespect, but that customer probably spills more in a year than you sell, so you're not going to get their oh. price. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> you know, I literally, I tried to go under the table. I was like, I can't believe you just... It worked, that. though, I bet. It did. Well, it did. Well, I put it this way. It, the only thing it worked on is that the meeting was over there and then. <laughs> and I, actually, do you know what that, that customer did? They went and sourced Coca-Cola from outside of the UK and brought it in more cheaply that way just to piss, piss off the oh, UK. Did the grey market yeah, Poland thing yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Because that's the thing with Coca-Cola, isn't it? Yeah. It's like you have this incredible brand that people go, well, I'll go get um, something, you know, there's Pepsi, but no one ever asks for Pepsi. <laughs> <Are you> ever, <laughs> ever, no ever, one ever asks yeah. for Pepsi. No one ever says, can I have a Pepsi? I've never well, met anyone who likes India, Pepsi. you will. If India, it's, you know, it's amazing when you around the world, some, you know, some markets like Coke's, not, not in all markets, India, it's Pepsi everywhere. What's the best piece of advice anyone's ever given you? Uh, just follow and do whatever you're passionate about. Make sure you enjoy what you're doing every day. And what advice would you give your younger self? This is a really crass answer. I, generally, I wouldn't change anything because the way it's worked out has been great, but also 
you know, there were a lot of mistakes and you learn from those mistakes and you've done well. The only thing I would probably say to myself would be take time to kind of enjoy the journey more because I was just running 20, you know, like million miles an hour the yeah. whole time and I probably didn't step off the carriageway and just enjoy and take in some some time. And There's that piece of advice they give you if you have a wedding. It was I, I did do it at my second wedding. Uh, but they, they, they say to you at the wedding, at some <laughs> point, you and your wife walk away from the wedding yeah. and just walk, yeah. just walk down the road. Somewhere you can still see it and just go have a... And there was this... And actually, there's a photo of it, but there was this really, yeah, weird moment. We went to the end of the field and we just sort of sat there and looked back at the thing. And it is a real moment. Yeah. Your brain sort Otherwise, of goes, it just goes, fuck me. You actually, know? you know, it's like you're over and you're in the car, right? You're oh, don't. Yeah. Not having sex, you know. It's, it's just a disaster, the <laughs> what, honeymoon. What's, you're what's always, that? Yeah, exactly. You're so, exa- <laughs> you're so exhausted on the honeymoon night. You're like, oh, are we supposed to... Can we just go to bed, you know? And it's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Any recommendations of what to listen to, watch, read? Uh, do you know what? I'm one of these people, because people often ask what books you read. I'm not a big reader. I'm not a big listener. The only thing I do is just surround yourself by people who can help and support you as a founder or when you're doing startup stuff. How do you find the right people? You know, I'm a founder. I'm 25 years old. You, I build, up a net, you build up a network, right? I don't know if you know, but I mentioned Jamie Mitchell earlier. Jamie... Um, created an amazing initiative called All Together, which is a pro bono advice uh, business. And basically, um, I'm one of the advisors there. And basically, people can get in touch with All Together and um, you get free time with with different people in different sectors. So for example, I'm like a food and drink um, startup expert. There's somebody who's in property, there's somebody you know who's in you know, finance or whatever it is. And that's that's been a really good help for a lot of people in the last two, three years during COVID. That's been really, I've enjoyed doing it as well. And do you know what? I've actually learned a lot from the people I've spoken to as well. It's given me a few thoughts. So that was this week's episode of BWB Extra. And we'll be back tomorrow with our finale for the week, the business versus bullshit quiz. Stay tuned. Yeah.